The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McClune. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi, and welcome once again to the Hoffman Connection. We're coming to you from beautiful Northern California, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'm a Hoffman teacher, and I've been with the Hoffman Institute for over 20 years. If you've never heard of us, we are celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program, helping people who are serious about change. And we have 16 sites in 11 countries and have helped over 85,000 people worldwide. Our signature program is the Hoffman Process, which is an amazing eight-day residential retreat of very powerful personal development and discovery. You can go on to our website and uh, learn more about the Hoffman process. Um, the purpose of this radio show is to bring inspiration, education, tools to help you live the life you love. And uh, our program, the Hoffman process, is offered about once every two weeks, um, sometimes more frequently than that, about 30 times a year here in the United States. We're a nonprofit organization. I'm really proud today to introduce the chairman of our advisory council, Dr. Joan Borisenko. She's a distinguished pioneer in integrative medicine, a world-renowned expert in the mind-body connection. Of course, she's first a scientist, having been at uh, be, having been a co-founder of the Harvard uh, Mind-Body Clinic. I think almost 30 years ago, she's a licensed psychologist and was an instructor in medicine at the medical school at Harvard. But Joan has uh, long since left there and gone out on her own. <laughs> and uh, well, you've written about 13 books, right, Joan? I've actually written 15, Raz. I'm working on number 16. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, but what I'm saying is that instead of staying inside the hallowed halls of academia, you went out to where the people are and began uh, creating best-selling books and speaking and creating uh, programs. And so you're, you're just, you know, known all over the world now, and we're just thrilled that you're with us today. And um, we want to learn a little bit more about what, what you're up to and what you see on the horizon for people. So I, I just want to start with, like, what what do you think it was that was motivating you to start you know, you were a scientist and a researcher, and here you were at Harvard, and to really recognize that there is a mind-body connection. And um, what were you pursuing back then, and uh, how how accurate were you in, in what you were going after? How, did, how does it look to you now, looking back? I, I think it's amazing that stress and illness had really been linked for a very long time, but nobody had figured out really what to do about it. 
And, you know, you, you know my story that when I was a graduate student at Harvard, my migraine headaches, which I'd had all my life, really kicked up. And then I developed some kind of colitis. I developed high blood pressure. I developed an irregular heartbeat. And actually, it was another one of the Harvard medical students who pointed out to me what I could do about it. You know, we were sitting sitting there one day over some unsavory lab preparation, and uh, he said, hey, you have a very powerful mind, which was a very, very interesting thought to me. And I, I asked what he meant, and he said, you're always worrying. You're thinking of, you know, you're going to fail the exam, your marriage is lousy, you're always, always in your mind going to the negative and the stressful. And he went on, he said, you know, the body can't tell the difference between what you're imagining and what is actually happening, and therefore it will act on your imagination. And so you're stressed all the time. And it turned out he had been a very long-time practitioner of, um, gosh, I forget what martial arts. It was a black belt and something. And he also was a student of yoga, which was rare. This was 1967. Yoga hadn't yet um, hit the strip malls back at that time. He was the only guy in the medical school who was relaxed, huh? I think so. I think so. And so he said, you know, yoga is really meditation. You should learn. It was not easy to find a teacher, let me tell you, but I did. I, um, I started to take yoga. I signed up for mail-order meditation classes <laughs> with a self-realization fellowship, and within three or four months, Raz, all of my medical symptoms had disappeared. And then I was fortunate because I, I was working at the time with a cardiologist, Herbert Benson, at Harvard Medical School, and he became interested in meditation at right about that same time. And he teamed up with a physiologist, Keith Wallace, and they looked at the physiology of meditation. And basically, you know, what meditation is, is learning not to pay attention to all the thoughts in your mind, but to be in the present and your stress level goes way down. And since about 90% of the illnesses that take us to the physician are stress-related, uh, all of those illnesses, everything from, you know, headaches and stomach aches and back pain and all of that to, you know, the stress makes chronic illness worse. If, you're, if you have diabetes, for example, you know it lifts up your blood sugar, raises your blood sugar. And uh, now what, what's happened in these last, Oh, my God, 40, I can't believe it, 45 years since I had that conversation with my medical student friend is that we have learned a tremendous amount about the brain, the immune system, the hormonal system. We know exactly how it all works. And now, you know, kind of the ancient wisdom of what to do to calm your mind and what to do so that, your 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 negative thoughts don't eat you alive, what to do to heal the traumas of your life. All of this has come into medical practice. So I think we've seen a tremendous difference uh, just in these last, well, God, I feel so old, <laughs> in the last half a century, Raz. Well, I think you're going back a little too far. I, I remember <laughs> just a couple of years ago um, seeing that, 
some research, maybe it was only two years ago, the research, they finally figured out that that each year of medical school was sort of squeezing out the compassion of the students. And by the third year of medical school, there was just no more compassion left in medical school students. And so um, I, I'm sure that a lot of schools, medical schools are now understanding the importance of teaching compassion. But, um, you know, this stuff, uh, it's not like it just caught on and took off. Uh, it did in a popular sense, meditation, yoga, um Tai Chi, all kinds of things are popular in our culture now, as well as programs like Hoffman and the care of the the art of soul care that you teach. Um, but at the same time, it's um, there's a lot of work to do. There's a huge amount of work to do, and what's you know what's going on in, in medicine these days is something called narrative medicine, where physicians are really trained to list. They're trained in what story is, how to listen to story. And if you listen to somebody's story that they tell around an illness, uh, it turns out that they can diagnose it much better, understand it much better. And the simple, compassionate act of listening in and of itself creates a tremendous change. Um, there was one study done a couple of years ago at a Kaiser Permanente site. An hour of listening uh, to a patient's who were coming in frequent, you know, frequent utilizers, cut down their use for the next year by almost 40%, just because somebody took an hour and listened to their story. I think we're hungry for compassion, that the deepest need of every human being is to be seen, to be acknowledged, and, you know, to know that um, they're, they're, a precious, they're a precious being. Well, I think in our culture we overrate, we tend to overrate um, individuality at the expense of our community or connection, uh, our social connection with everyone else because human beings are first and foremost social creatures. And, and yes, we are also individuals. So I'm not trying to overrate one or the other, but I'm saying if you, if you, uh, you know, in our culture, frequently people are out of balance just because we feel so isolated. Oh, we're isolated. We're busy, absolutely. And in, just in terms of the medical research that's been done, it turns out that the single, single biggest threat to your health, a threat bigger than smoking or bigger than being sedentary or bigger than eating lots of food, is actually being isolated. Right. Uh, that's, 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 it causes tremendous changes. In, in the way that the brain circuits are configured that really affects every system of the body. Uh, I just, you know, I find it's quite fascinating these days that we spend so much time on the computer connecting there, but much less time connecting with nature. You know, there's for kids, they're talking about something that um, has a very interesting name, and that's nature deficiency disorder. Uh, our relationship to the natural world is so important and our relationship to each other and to animals. And so the, um, there is a certain kind of connectedness uh, in social media, but it does not make up for real-time connection. With yeah, social media is, is a synthetic, if you will, um, form of it. I mean, especially when it's just reading and emailing and things like that. I think some of it's... I know that I I like Skype a lot, and I like shows like this that are live, where we're 
where there's a sense of connectivity with people. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that, uh, that email offers and other things. But you're right. I mean, this thing about isolation, if I'm not mistaken, I read once that isolation is a greater predictor of heart attack than smoking. Yes, it is. Exactly. And, uh, you know, there was a big study that was done uh, originally more than 50 years ago, and then they had 50-year follow-up just a few years back, and it was an epidemiological study of a small town in Pennsylvania called Rosetto. And Rosetto had been settled by Italian immigrants who had a strong sense of community, and they cared for each other. People knew each other. There was a high level of um, connection. And what they found was that the rate of heart disease in Rosetto was significantly below that of the rest of the country, even though they smoked as much and, you know, ate the same kind of thing. So the protective effect is um, comes in knowing that somebody cares about you, knowing that there's somebody there for you, and there, and being able to reciprocate, being there for other people. Well, that's that's those are really big lessons, and it, it is funny to reflect back on how what you call the ancient wisdom, the ancient social social wisdom, the way people were connected, as well as some of the the great spiritual and meditative traditions uh, were. It turns out, you know, the right the right way to live. Well, it was, you know, there's this. You said uh, earlier that. Uh, t- Teaching through stories is a good thing. So here's a story. And uh, I was in India one year actually doing some research on meditation at an ashram. And I would sneak out of the ashram periodically and go into the little town nearby. And every afternoon I would show up there. And there was a, a woman in one of the shops, and we got to talking. And she said to me, she said, I've heard some things about America, and I want to know if they're true. And I said, okay, you know, shoot, what are they? She said, well, I've heard that um, that oftentimes parents, both parents work, and the children are taken care of by strangers. Is that true? And I said, yep, it sure is. And then she went on, she said, and I hear that when parents get old, they don't all the time stay with their children, that they get put in places where other old people are. And I said, well, that's true, too. And she said, I've heard that you can live in apartment buildings and not know the people who live right next door to you and all around you. And I said, yep, that's true, too. And she actually hurt. She started to to tear up. She was crying. And she said, I am so sorry for you. She said, you may be materially wealthy, but spiritually you are so poor. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, let's, let's take a break uh, after that wonderful story. And it's a great, great pause for reflection. We'll be back in two minutes with Dr. Joan Borsenko. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? 
For 45 years, the Hoffman process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Now, this is Raz and Grossi, and we're back on the Hoffman Connection with Dr. Joan Borisenko, a distinguished pioneer in integrative medicine and a world-renowned expert in the mind-body connection. Over the last 25, 30 years, Joan's work has been foundational in international health care, uh, in the kind of health care that recognizes the role of meaning and the spiritual dimensions of life and healing. And uh, she's a wonderful speaker, brilliant author, and she's the uh, chairperson of the Hoffman Advisory Council, and we're just so happy to have you with us, Joan. So thank you for being here. I'm thrilled to be here. You're very welcome. Now, Joan, um, recently you wrote a couple of books on stress. I remember one of them was called Fried, why you, right. why you Burn Out and How to Revive. And I think there was another one called It's Not the End of Your World and some more words there, too. But tell us about stress today. Why are people, why is stress so, it's like a pandemic. It's everywhere. Well, I think there are, there are several things. First of all, um, people get stressed when things are changing, and it has not escaped any of us that we're in the middle of a huge period of change. Um, look at Hurricane Sandy. Suddenly the, the, the denial that the climate was changing was broken in quite an obvious way. Uh, then there's the economic change. I think, you know, the U.S. economy is doing very well compared to where it could, but we're all waiting for the plug to be pulled in Europe, and, you know, who knows what will happen uh, after that. Then there's the fact that people, as we were talking about before the break, are isolated, and people are working very hard. You know, Raz, you and I grew up in a time when uh, for most of us worked Monday through Friday, and at 5 o'clock you were finished. You didn't go to bed with your iPhone or your BlackBerry strapped to you, uh, and you weren't available all the time. And people wrote letters. They didn't write emails. And so if you didn't hear back for a couple of weeks, that was pretty normal. 
so that the the pace of things, the pace of technology is huge, and there's no rhythm left in life. Uh, it's all fast, fast, fast. So one of the things that I advocate in my book, Fried, in, in, in order to sur- not only survive and thrive, but revive, is you go to unplug yourself from time to time. So I routinely unplug myself for two full days and then a couple of half days every week. And, you know, that means next day there's more to do. But it means I've had time for the great um, stress reliever, and that is relationship. Uh, what really cures stress is right relationship to your own self, your own self-care, people that you love, friends, um, the ability to maybe do some volunteer work, things like that, nature, dogs. My two poodles just came galloping up in here. And that's a very, very important thing. You know, it's been, been said many times, Raz, that even when everything you do is beautiful, like beautiful notes of a melody, without rest stops, it's all noise. And that's what happens. And when you burn out, you lose your effectiveness. It's like a very severe form of stress that looks like depression. So tell us, how to, what, yeah. does it, what does it feel like to be burned out? How do you know when you're burned out? Oh, you know. <laughs> when people heard my book title, Fried, they would immediately say, my God, that's me, I'm fried. But it's important to understand what it is. And there are actually uh, stages. And while, you know, you know, well, stage theory of any kind, nobody goes through every stage. Right. And people don't do it in the same order. But essentially, it starts by being idealistic about your work and wanting to do good things, and then you end up working too much, and your life gets out of balance, and suddenly, oh, I haven't had my teeth cleaned in a, a year, or you realize you're out of contact lenses or whatever it is and that you're last on your own list. And work begins to take over more and more of your life. And the result of this is that you find yourself losing energy, get emotionally exhausted, you can't stand one more thing. Um, You will overreact to small situations. And you start to get physically exhausted and to develop a lot of symptoms, stress-related symptoms. Uh, most frequently back pain, insomnia. These are the things that uh, keep people out of work, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in addition to that, what starts to happen is you develop a kind of, it's called depersonalization, and that is you lose your empathy, uh, both for yourself and others, and you become cynical. And, uh, you know, think about all the burned-out physicians they take a look at a patient and simply wish there was nobody in their office. They have nothing left to, to give. They are just dry as a bone. <laughs> and when that happens, what you start to notice is it takes you longer and longer to get your work done, and you're not doing it very well. You know, you lose your efficiency and productivity. I suppose people. Now I'm yeah, going I suppose to people start using uh... from the late Thomas Merton, who was a wonderful Catholic thinker. He says, when you're doing too much, you kill the root of inner wisdom, which makes your work fruitful. And uh, then you get depressed, and that's what it looks like. Wow. 
And I'm sure that alcohol and other drugs figure into those uh, into that equation too. As people, totally, start... they really do because I, I think you know nobody takes alcohol or drugs uh, to feel worse. We take them to feel better, and they're they're a form of self medication. And you know it's interesting just in terms of what the Hoffman Institute does. How much you're really going to get derailed by alcohol and drugs is an interaction between your stress level and how stressed you tend to get, which has to do with how you were raised and the childhood patterns that you've inherited that actually affect your brain, your decision-making capability, your hormones, and your responsiveness to stress. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, I think the there's a great study, if I'm not mistaken, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study involved about 12,000 people, and I think it was completed eight or ten years ago. But uh, strongly, they're always analyzing the data. By the way, they have new studies that come out all the time. It's right, a fabulous set of studies. But, but just correlating adverse childhood experiences to uh, adult health, and you just don't leave that stuff behind. It's, you carry it with you, and it burdens you, and makes you sick and stressed for your entire life. And well, um, you know that's right. There's, there's, and and this is something that really uh, made the the people who put put this study together uh, just amazed. And that was how very very strong. The relationship is, I'm looking for some statistics. For example, you know, they looked at eight kinds of, of childhood difficulties, yeah. everything from abuse and neglect to, well, you know, a family member who was an alcoholic, drug abuser, or a family member who was chronically depressed or institutionalized or in jail, uh, only having one parent or no parents, Violence against the mother in the home, you know, and recurrent abuse, physical, emotional, or sexual. So those are kind of eight categories. So you can have an, an ACE score of zero all the way up to six. And they found that male children, when you have an ACE score of six, when that male child grows up, he is 4,600% more likely to become an IV drug abuser. You know, that's not like in statistics we think of, oh, something is 0.01% more likely to happen, and we get excited about that. This is 4,600%, 4,600% more oh likely. Or how about this? An A score of 4 increases the probability of getting chronic obstructive pulmonary disease by 390%. Or an A score of four raises the probability of being depressed later in your life um, by five hundred percent. Well, there's a Joan. There's a <laughs> wonderful group um, in San Francisco in Hunters Point, which began diagnosing kids, uh, you know, young kids, um, and scoring them, and then prescribing the things that could remediate. The, those uh, issues and the kids' scores went down and their overall emotional and other forms of health improved. So some of these things really can be changed. It's, it is not uh, the case that when something bad has happened in childhood that you can't learn from it, you can't grow, and uh, 
you know, as we both know with the Hoffman work, we saw that there were tremendous changes, decreases in negative affect, depression, anxiety, hostility, coupled with increases in spirituality, emotional intelligence, compassion, forgiveness, that sort of thing. And uh, those changes should correlate to a whole range of health improvements, which which as Hoffman teachers we, we witness all the time, but we've never really studied it. It would be a great thing for us to study. Oh, there's absolutely no question that you'll find huge health changes after the Hoffman process. That's a great piece of research to do. And, you know, one of the exciting breakthroughs of the last 15 or 20 years in science is our understanding of neuroplasticity, that, you know, the brain uh, changes, that as you learn to think differently, you have different patterns that are activated and deactivated, different circuits that become active. And for sure, one of the things that can change is simply responsivity to stress. I think when I took the Hoffman process years ago, that was one of the first things I noticed. I noticed two things right away. One of them was a decrease in my own self-centeredness and an increase in empathy um, for others and compassion for others. And then, you know, I just didn't stress out so easily. And those, those were huge changes, and both of those changes are, you know, clearly correlated with better health. Yeah, and, they, and one of the things we're noticing from Hoffman is that they, they happen, and, uh, you know, it's like a, the change is lasting. It's just a permanent change that you can go on to a bigger and better things from there. Uh, Joan, we're going to take a, a minute break here, and I want to invite our guests, if you'd like to call in, speak to Joan, please feel free to do that. And I'm looking around here right now for the question, for the phone number. <laughs> I started talking before I had the phone number in front of me. But um, I pro- oh, here it is, 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Call in if you'd like to speak with Joan Borisenko, and we'll be back in a minute. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. 
According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hi, this is Raz and Grossi. I'm talking with Dr. Joan Borisenko. A, a distinguished pioneer in integrative medicine, a world-renowned expert in the mind-body connection. We were talking about the, uh, the effects of stress on the body and the sources of stress, and we were talking here about how adverse childhood experiences bring people stress in their adult lives, what to do about it. And we were also talking about the way we live today is pretty stressful and uh, almost teaches us not to pay attention to our inner life. And Joan, uh, are there any other comments you wanted to make about about this whole stress uh, stress society we're living in, and and uh, what people can do about it? Well, mostly I want to comment on what we can do about it because now we're so aware of it. The the basic goodness about being aware of something is you realize, aha, I have a choice in how I live. I can either let myself be stressed out, or I can do something about it. So I'll give you an example. Today was an extremely busy day for me. And as you know, right after I get off the phone with you, I have an hour and a half course to give on Soul Care on the Shift Network. And it's uh, it's been hopping over here, to say the least. And I realized I was, I, I was just feeling really stressed by the sheer amount of emails to return, things to do, calendars to create, uh, you know how it is, so many things. And what I decided to do about uh, an hour and a half before you called, I said, I'm going to spend an hour uh, exercising. And so it's cold outside today, but inside we've got an exercise bike, a rowing machine, a few other elliptical trainers, uh, uh, a trampoline, And I'll tell you, an hour of that completely changed me. And here's what we know about exercise. Um, Exercise is like a mind-body panacea. Not only does it reduce your stress level markedly, it's just amazing, but, for example, it's, it's really the best thing you can do for depression is exercise. It's much better than antidepressant drugs. And the other thing with exercise is, It changes your brain in a way that's very similar to the way that meditation changes your brain. Uh, You know, I don't want to get into too much uh, brain anatomy here, but I'll just say a couple of things. That you've got the thinking part of your brain. The last part to develop in terms of evolution is the frontal lobes. And the very front of the frontal lobes is right 
and back of your forehead. Those are called the prefrontal lobes. And that's the part of you that's aware. That's a part of you that makes choices. That's the part of you that really, that's the executive function of the brain. That's your leader, is your prefrontal cortex. And the other thing about the prefrontal cortex is this. It sits right on top of the brain's emotional centers. And so when your emotional centers are making you fearful, uh, you know, making, making you feel depressed, those kinds of things, the prefrontal cortex can actually release little neurohormones that change the activity of the emotional centers. So when you exercise uh, or when you meditate or when you, for example, remember something from Hoffman that has become almost reduced uh, to a slogan in your own mind, like when you think to yourself as you have a negative emotion, aha, you know, there's, there's my emotional child, and then you recognize it's fighting with my adult intellect, and, and you realize at that moment you need to take a break and, you know, calm down a little bit. But you've been able to witness what's happening and move away from it. And that actually changes what's going on in your left prefrontal cortex. And all those things, exercise, the ability to witness what's happening, affirmations or slogans that you use, cause more neural energy to go to the left side of your prefrontal cortex. And that's where your happiness center is. And it also causes the release of a hormone called GABA from the middle of your prefrontal cortex that turns off the fear hormones in your emotional centers. So these are the things I do. I like to um, remind myself things are not so bad. And even, you know, even that, I could look at things in a different way. I could look at things from my spiritual self. I like to meditate. I like to pat the dogs social connection. I think the dogs release more endorphins and, <laughs> and, you know, release more dopamine, the pleasure hormone, than anything else. So being with people you love, pets, being in nature, uh, exercising, meditation, affirmations, all of these things actually change your brain, the hormone balance in your body, your immune system, uh, your heart, even they change inflammation which is the so final it's not it's not just that your your brain changes your experience you can actually decide to do experiences that will change your brain totally <laughs> and, yeah and uh so i want to ask you joan what is you know spirituality increases in spirituality increases in love spirituality and love might be synonymous you can answer that question if you think so but what I really want to know is, does exercise increase your spirituality? And what role does spirituality play in the whole mix of this healing? How do you, def- how do you define spirituality? Well, all right, let me define so spirituality because this is, uh, this is great. And I know Hoffman has done some very fine research looking at how the process increases uh, spirituality. Right. I happen to like the definition of a Harvard psychiatrist, George Valiant. And he defines it. He says it's not a doctrine, it's not a dogma, it's not a set of beliefs. 
What it is is a constellation of eight positive emotions. And those emotions are things like awe and wonder. Uh, you know, that capacity, if you really think about it, that's an amazing thing, to see the awe, the wonder, the mystery of the universe. Then, of course, there is compassion. There's love. Then there's the sense of attachment, which is an interesting thing in terms of Hoffman, because often you didn't have such a good sense of attachment in childhood. You know, if your parents uh, were a little neglectful, or, uh, and you can, you can develop that to some degree later, and that correlates with your sense of trust in the universe. So trust is another spiritual uh, kind of thing. Then we have things like joy, peace, patience. Sounds a little like the fruit of the Spirit. But those Mm -hmm. are, I think, really the best measure of what spirituality is. And to me, key to them is that sense of compassion. I think Einstein put it so well years ago. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a very famous quote of his when he said, you know, really... Uh, what happens as you mature spiritually is that you expand your circle of concern beyond yourself and, and those close to you to all living beings. And that, you know, that's what we need. I think of spirituality. It, I think maybe eventually we could have uh, more of a sense of peace and cooperation on this planet. Those are all spiritual principles. And, and then just tell us for a moment here, um, if I'm not mistaken, I once heard you say that love always correlates with healing yeah. and fear always correlates with disease. Yeah, and, absolutely. And love is obviously a spiritual emotion. Um, yep. So it, spirituality it is. is is correlated then closely with um, with healing. Well, Wholeness. it is. Uh, you know, when I think about what healing is, I think about it as right relationship on several levels. One of them is your own relationship to yourself. Uh, can you look at yourself and tolerate the tensions? Everybody has areas that are pretty evolved and others where you're kind of a beginner. Uh, and, and, and if you can just back up when you do something uh, that, that you thought, hey, I shouldn't have done that, and instead of saying, you idiot, say, well, you know, I'm human. Let me inquire into that. What was I thinking? What was I feeling? Where did that come from? So to develop that capacity um, to be curious about yourself rather than judgmental is right relationship on a personal level. And you can carry that to your relationship with other people on an interpersonal level to be curious and not judgmental about them, to give people the benefit of the doubt so that you can build intimacy. And then the third thing is your relationship to the source of being, you know, and uh, I use God as a shorthand for that, but the word God makes some people just completely apoplectic because they grew up in a religious system that was a block to spirituality. And, yeah. and that happens, but the spiritual is not the religious. It's a quote of my friend, uh, physician Rachel Naomi Remen, who said, you know, the spiritual is beyond the religious. She said, religion is like a bridge to the spiritual, but some people get caught on the bridge and they never make it across. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, one of the spiritual things I always liked is that religion is for people afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who have been there. So. <laughs> I've always liked that, too. Yeah, it's kind of fun. definitely very well, clever. And Joan, a- I know you have to go um, to this next show. We're going to spend the last segment without you, but I wanted to encourage people to uh, catch up with Joan. Just go on her website, Joan Borisenko's B-O-R-Y. S-E-N-K-O, JoanBorisenko.com. There you'll find Joan's whole schedule and lots of ways to be in contact with her. Joan, you're on Facebook as well, is that right? I am, and, and I love Facebook. I'm on it usually a couple of times a day unless I'm traveling, and we have a lot of great conversations. So if you go to Facebook, look up Joan Borisenko community page. Don't try to friend me because that page is full. Join the community um, join the fun. It's actually one of the great pleasures of my life, Rez. Good. And so people can c- sign up for your newsletter on Facebook or on your webpage, I'm sure, I, right? Exactly. But I want to encourage everybody to, to follow Joan. And uh, as she mentioned, she's got 15 books. And if you go on Amazon, just Google Joan Borisenko, and you'll catch up with all her books. Buy her books. You'll be better for it. Joan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a privilege, Raz. I love the Hoffman work. You do a lot of good for the world. Many blessings. Thank you. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi. We just said goodbye to Dr. Joan Borisenko, our esteemed friend and guest. And um, I wanted to provide everyone once again with 
her email address. So simply Joan Borisenko, B-O-R-Y-S-E-N-K-O, joanborisenko.com. And you can also find her on Facebook. She, she suggested you go to her community page. Um, you, you can't do wrong following Joan Borisenko, and uh, she's a font of wisdom and inspiration to so many people. Um, I wanted to take this last segment uh, because it's, this is a special time of the year. We often call it the time of giving and uh, the season of giving. And at this time of the year, uh, for the last 15 years since we've been a nonprofit organization, the Hoffman Institute is in the midst of a fundraising drive. And I wanted people to know, uh, those of you who have done the Hoffman process, that this is this fundraising drive is just incredibly important to us and to the viability of our work. Um, as you know, a certain amount of our uh, what we do is, is you might say, transactional, or there's a transaction. You pay us for the tuition, and you come and do the Hoffman process or one of our graduate programs or our coaching uh, offers. But there's another part of Hoffman, which is unconditional. And uh, when people take the Hoffman process, they definitely experience that unconditional aspect. In fact, it's the core of our being, and it comes forward in the most extraordinary and powerful way in the Hoffman process. And so... One of the reasons we're a nonprofit organization is because we want the the essence of our work also to be sustained by that unconditional experience of love and spirituality. And we invite people to consider giving a gift to Hoffman at this time of the year. Uh, it the, your gifts go to things like our scholarship program. Each year we give out over three hundred thousand dollars in scholarship support to about 250 people and in the last uh, 15 years or so or I think we've given almost four million dollars in scholarship support which means that the program the Hoffman process the powerful transformative and healing power of the Hoffman process is available to a much more diverse group of people you know diverse by age by income uh, background and uh, those of you who have done the process know how important it is for, or can imagine if you were older when you did, how important it could be for someone in their 20s when they're sort of just launching their trajectory into life for them to do this work. And so a lot of younger people can benefit from the process, but they're less likely to have the resources to do it. So we like to provide scholarships for them. And uh, there are different ways to give. You can make a one-time gift. You can just go on the Hoffman Institute webpage and hit the button that says Donate Now, and uh, you'll be brought to a, a page, a secure uh, page, where you can make a contribution. Uh, you can join our light team, which means that you will give a monthly gift. Maybe it's $25, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Um, but every month is just an easy and simple way to give. And, in fact, if if every year everyone just signed up for $25 a month, our scholarship program I think would be entirely funded but we do lots of other things with with the the funds that we receive as well research and development we're always improving the process itself we're undergoing right now and for probably the next year or more a uh, period of reviewing every part of the process finding out what we want to do with it we we always are grounding everything we do in research, so we are availing ourselves of the best research, talking to people like Joan Borisenko and other members of our 25-member uh, professional advisory council, 
going to the latest research and making sure that the Hoffman process is always on the cutting edge of what uh, makes the biggest difference in people's lives. And, of course, university-level research has, you know, it's been published in peer-reviewed journals, has validated uh, the power of the Hoffman process. And, in fact, there's nothing in the worldwide research literature which shows a greater and a more lasting change for uh, such a simple intervention. And so we wanna, I want to encourage you to um, open your heart and um, change your own life. You know, when you, when you give to something that you believe in, that you know is important, it changes you. When you give to someone you love, it changes you. Uh, we, we hear that old uh, statement that it's better to give than receive. Well, it turns out that uh, I can remember the lives I've changed by giving things than more than I can the, the way I was changed by gifts that I received. Although I have to say that oftentimes there's the you know there's a there's a gift of grace that comes comes from beyond, and uh, we are all blessed to receive that. Uh, if this is a time of hardship for you, um, we are we are also praying for you, and we're also holding you in our hearts. Um, some people, the holidays is a heightened time of uh, emotional or even physical difficulty, and um, I don't know what we can do for you, but if at some point you'd like to do Hoffman or you, we can help you in some way, call us, and we'd be glad to talk to you about any ways that we can be of help. Our, our intention and our goal is to be available to people. That's why we're a nonprofit organization, and that's why we're structured the way that we are, so that we can have outreach Contributions also go to fund a remarkable alliance that we've pioneered over the last six or eight years with the Youth at Risk program, Youth at Risk organization, YAR, in New York City, working with inner city kids who, in one way or another, are at risk. And uh, we do programs with them every year. And it's come to be called the Quantum Leap program, which... uh, uh, is just remarkable at the difference it makes in these kids' lives. It is so extraordinary. It's a five-day program. So extraordinary for people who are 16, 17 years old. They might have a couple of kids even by then. Uh, and for them to find a place within themselves that is pure and whole and unconditionally loving, that knows their their path, and to find that within themselves, to find out that there's something that's that's not tainted, that's not uh, reflecting back the the conditions that in which they've been brought up, and to learn to rely on that part of themselves, it just changes these kids' lives so dramatically. So it's just another example of things that we do at Hoffman, and then of course we have our 45-acre retreat site, which was itself a gift to the Hoffman Institute, and we have to maintain it. It's in a wilderness area only five minutes from downtown St. Helena, but still a wilderness area. And uh, uh, it's a little bit in the country, and it's it's gorgeous there, but, you know, trees fall down and hit power lines and <laughs> creeks overrun and uh, things, need, things need to be repaired. So it keeps our beautiful site um, in, not only repaired but also improved. So that's another place where the um, where your gifts make a difference. So I want to encourage you, if you loved Hoffman, if you had a great experience, think about us. You'll be receiving email blasts. Uh, you'll Please open them, read them, let 
let yourself be touched and reach out to us. And we'd love to hear from you uh, during this time of the year, and we'd love for you to um, consider us as a giving priority at the end of the year. And uh, we, we feel it in our hearts, and we hope you, you also can show your gratitude to Hoffman and um, pass it forward because that's why it's here right now. Others who came before us did pass it forward and sustained it, and that's our job today. So we welcome your support, and I really appreciate you. And uh, we, all, everybody at Hoffman sends our, our love and gratitude at this time of the year, and we are so grateful for our graduates who sustain the program. Thank you, and we'll be talking to you next week. Uh, I believe that next week we have our guest, Stuart Emery, and uh, he's an amazing uh, author and one of the founders of the Human Potential Movement. So come next week, listen to uh, Stuart. Always, always a great sense of humor and lots of things for us to learn and enjoy with Stuart Emery. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.